Okay, welcome to another episode of Sub O Tours. We have a very special episode for you today. Today, we'll be covering something that touches on a little bit of real life, a little bit of culture, and of course, a lot of entertainment. First off, let us introduce ourselves. We are your hosts. I am Misha. I am Mai. Anjo's not here. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. And, he's uh, not here. His it's loss, okay. It's okay. Uh, considering the movie we're going to be talking about today, we have somebody much, much better. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Anjo. Nilaglag kita. I know he would have loved to join us for this because hello, basketball. But oh well. Sorry, Anjo. What are talking about? If he joined us today, he'd just be talking about how the Lakers are going to get to the finals. Blah, blah, blah. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Yeah, heck with that. Okay, today we are going to be joined by one of my favorite humans, um, a big time sneakerhead and one of the biggest all around Jordan fans I know. Welcome to the show, our sub sub tour today, Mr. Marcy Reyes. Hey. Hi, Misha. Hi, bye. Welcome, Hello, Marcy, wherever you are. Thank, thank you. It's okay, we don't need to talk about Anjo. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for um, agreeing to join us. Thank yes. you so much. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Excited to. <laughs> <laughs> I will try my best. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so you have a lifelong fascination with the, all of the subjects of the movie that we're going to be <laughs> talking about today. Today, of course, we are talking about Ben Affleck's latest directorial fi- uh, effort, which is Air, covering the story of how shoe manufacturer Nike got a hold of Michael Jordan. So, uh, yeah, tell us about your history with, with, uh, with the brand, Marcy. Okay, two of my favorite things, movies and sneakers. And now we're going to talk about a movie about sneakers, right? So, <laughs> how, how cool is that? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, sneakers. I've loved shoes ever since I was a little boy, which was a long time ago. So, like I was telling you guys, I think I've been a sneakerhead long before the term was even there. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, just a person who loves rubber shoes. That's mm-hmm. the thing. You know, that's how you call it. I guess it stems from my dad. The fact that you call them rubber shoes. Yes. Oh my yeah, God. That's yeah, the person I who loves rubber shoes. I haven't heard <laughs> that's what you call it. many people uh, call it rubber shoes in the 2000s onwards. 2010s onwards. As OG as you can get, call it oh, rubber God. shoes. <laughs> right? So, yeah, my dad loved rubber shoes. And, you know, mm-hmm. I saw it in him. Uh, and when I was a little boy, you know, every time he'd, he'd be in the office, I'd sneak into his closet, wear the shoes that are, you know, six, seven times larger than my size. <laughs> but, and then I got my first pair uh, that I really loved. I was in grade five. I, I will tell you what year. But I was in grade five. It was the Adidas Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's. Okay. They, they were bright blue, bright blue suede, high tops, bright blue suede, and I wore those things until the suede felt like sandpaper. Really, just <laughs> wore them to death. And then, yeah, then I love shoes, but of course, you know, I can only have what my dad would give me. So I didn't really start having a big collection until I started working. Mm-hmm. But the but my fascination with Jordans started. Right about the same time that the uh, the movie, the the right around the time frame of the movie, which was 
they launched it 19... It happened 1984. They launched it 1985. And right around early 1986, my dad gave me my first tournaments, which was the black and red. The black and nice. red pair, um, mm-hmm. which is... OGs would call it black and red. New were sneakerheads call it bread. We never call it bread. It's just right. black and red. Bread. <laughs> and so, yeah, so yeah, no, not bread, black and red. So <laughs> okay. that was the first one. But, but the first time I got it, I was just like, what is this black and red anomaly? It's like, it's so ugly. No kidding. That's, that's what I really <laughs> thought. It was ugly because you were so used to white rubber shoes, white right. basketball shoes, right? So the first time this came in, it was like, you know, it kind of um, took a lot of getting used to, but I wore it mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. comfortable at that time. And then, of course, I saw more and more of Jordan wearing it. And then the fact that, you know, he was being fine wearing it added to the coolness factor. So, yeah, it started there. I thought it was the best shoe in the world. Yeah, so. But, um, so you weren't necessarily a Jordan fan yet at the time or was it because of the shoes or how did that start? No, I, I, I already was noticing him in the Olympic teams and even in the bits of news that I'd get from the NCAA, like he was in North Carolina. Uh, but then you really don't get the games as much as you do now, right? There's, there was no internet to, you know, to search the games. It's just whatever was fed here, those are the games that you watch. So whatever right. little NCAA stuff I get, yeah, so that's what the first time I, I saw him. And I knew he was good. I, of course, he had no inkling that he was going to be what he became. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but if I liked him as a basketball player. And then it just, it's hard to tell which came first. But I think the shoe grew on me because I liked him as a, as a player. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. I think what's really great, what really struck me about the film is that um, for a lot of people, it's not just like a biopic or a documentary style film about things that really happened. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I think we're at the perfect time now because 80s nostalgia is at an all-time high. Yes, so it is. I think like it really hits audiences differently now. It's like a, it's like, it's like a time machine. It really is. Yeah, the opening credits, I can't tell you oh, yeah. how much of a trip that was for me. It was just like, <laughs> sent me back. It was one you know, big time capsule, those opening credits. The movie is now on Amazon Prime. And it is actually only the second movie that Amazon has actually screened in cinemas um, from their own production company. Um I told Marcy, it's going to be on Amazon Prime, but you need to see this on the big screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, what really struck me or what was most amazing for me about the movie was Ben Affleck was mm-hmm. absolutely able to pull off a movie without any basketball action. So it was really about yeah. basketball, but it was just people either talking in the boardroom or talking mm-hmm. on the phone. It was just that. But he managed to make it engaging and interesting. See, so you kind of drawn like, in. It was like two hours of meetings, yes. but I was never bored. Exactly. Yeah. And, and not only that, you know exactly how it's going to turn out. Yes. Right? You knew exactly that they were going to land Jordan and, you know, Doug Jordan was going to be 
the Air Jordans are going to be famous and great, but you stuck to it and you wanted to see it unravel before, yes, even if you really knew what was going to happen. Mm-mm. And for some reason, you still felt the suspense or the gravity of it all because of all of the personal connections or how they planted the importance of this deal to them. So it was still, you know how it ends, but it was, it's still quite a ride to just see how it ended up there. Yes, yeah. And and early on, if you, know, if you think about today, it's hard to imagine not Nike being a number three, like yeah. falling behind and, and failing, right? <laughs> Exactly. So it, yeah, or even like just talking about shutting down their basketball shoe division, but it's impossible to imagine now. It's unheard of, <laughs> right? So you can imagine just how Jordan, Michael Jordan, impacted not just the game but the whole industry, right? Saving the company and op- opening the way for the players today of you know how the kind of contracts that they get. Mm-hmm. Right? It it was unheard of pre. Really, absolutely. Um, yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen the film yet, um, the story starts in 1984 and Nike is just, you know, a distance, the distant third shoe company compared to the yeah. giants that are Converse and Adidas. And um, it, it has their talent scout played by Matt Damon. His name is Sonny Vaccaro. And he is trying to find the next big basketball star who can be their endorser. But he, the catch is the endorser has to be cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. For some reason, he decides to make it his life's mission to go after a big fish. He wants to make a choice that really will have an impact, not just on the sport, but also on the, 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 sport, the sport garment industry, the shoe industry. And he's willing to break any number of rules, rules to do it. So I guess what we got asked now is, how did you feel coming out of that theater, Marcy, after watching this movie? What was your first reaction? I felt like buying another pair. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true sneakerhead. <laughs> no, but really, it was one big nostalgic trip for me. Um, 1984, I was a senior in high school. So it's a big trip for me. And you know, it kind of reminded me how, you know, what, got me into this love affair with, with shoes. And, you know, it's always nice to hear an amazing story. And it was amazing how one person was able to turn a whole company around and turn it into a giant. So, yeah, it, it leaves you with a good feeling. And, you know, if you're a movie buff, you also appreciate good uh, mm-hmm. movie making and good writing, mm-hmm. good acting. Definitely. So, you know, that put a, put a smile on my face. It was a, it's actually a really good movie. That you don't, yeah. you don't need so superheroes battling aliens, or you don't need superpowers to come out of the theater happy. Mm-hmm. So this was just a simple, well-made film. Yes, and I know you're not alone with the feeling because when I went to the cinema and watched it, I would look around me and see people in Michael Jordan jerseys, Chicago Bulls jerseys. <laughs> I and then I look down I and look at their shoes and they're all wearing Jordans. Like a lot of people, not them all, but a lot of people went in the movie. So I then realized that this movie has a market, definitely, not just basketball fans, but also people who love the shoes. And while watching, as the events unfolded and as you actually get to see the creation of the shoe, the iconic first 
pair of Jordans, I heard gasps in the cinema. <laughs> as soon as they put in the shot, I heard a variety of, <gasps> or like, Oof, or like, damn. And probably a tear or two fell from some people <laughs> that I watched with, but we'll talk about that later. But I'm sure it felt <laughs> good to you as well. Oh yeah, it's, it's weird that, you know, you get gasps. Yeah. I really, because it's a shoe that you know exactly what it's going to look like. Yeah. Yep, right? yep. But the first time you see it, like, that, that was my reaction. Like, wait, why is that pair so perfect? Because <laughs> it was. It looked, I don't know, it looked really perfect to me the first time I saw it. Yeah, I, I, I know how they felt. And I guess you're wearing the jerseys and the shoes to watch yeah. the movies, the equivalent of wearing your Captain America costume when you watch <laughs> Avengers, right? So yeah. You, you, you have true. to. That's true. You have to do it for the full experience. Yep. Lot of lot of happy fanboys in that cinema. <laughs> and I think something that made the experience all the more, I, I don't want to say supernatural, but it made it more surreal, even if we knew everything that was gonna happen, was that they really build up like the legend of Michael Jordan. Yes. Like you don't even see his face in this movie. Exactly. I, know, I okay? love that treatment. Anganda. <laughs> I, think, I know it would have been sorry. It would have been disastrous to show an actor playing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, that treatment of not showing Michael Jordan's face it just emphasized how I guess untouchable he became yeah. in terms of basketball. Yeah. So, and we all pretty much know how Michael Jordan looks like. I mean, she live under a rock. Yeah. You probably would not know, but I feel like. Uh, Agreeing with what Marcy said, casting another actor as a young Michael without him having any important lines in the movie. Because he didn't really say much, right? So you just like see his yeah. back, his shoulder. He'd nod his head once in a while or say a I few think words. He, he said hello. Yeah. So, that would kill the vibe if you saw his face. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and especially if he doesn't look exactly like Michael. He's just going to seem like just some kid. It doesn't put any importance <laughs> on the character. So yeah. the power is in the absence of his face. It sounds wrong, but then that's that's the impact that the treatment had. And it's yeah, like it, they're saying, bitch, you should know how the hell he looks like. Yeah, it added to the mystique. And, you know, you were willing to believe that Will Smith was Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mimalek yeah. was Freddie Mercury, but there's no uh-huh. way you'll believe another person is Michael Jordan. Yes. Are, you, are you just saying that as a moviegoer? Are you saying that as a Jordan fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. That's fair. Um, I really also liked the casting in this movie. Oh, yeah. Because I thought that everyone brought their A-game. Um, yes. Li- Something that um, I don't know if you guys are aware, but Michael Jordan actually had a list of requirements if this movie was going to get made. And one of them was he wanted Viola Davis to be his mom because he said that she's the best person he knows. Yep. Yeah, I heard about that. I saw an interview, in fact, that that was when Ben Affleck talked to him. Uh, First of all, Ben Affleck was so intimidated by him, right? (laughs) And I can imagine. I think, I think he even said that if you don't want me to do this movie, you, you forget about it. He was willing to give it up. But right. yeah, the, one of the first conditions was for Viola Davis to play uh, MJ's mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and also, convincingly, uh, I mean, I don't know how uh, oh yeah, MJ how mom. How can you go wrong? Yeah, I don't know how she looks like, but I still believe it because it's fucking Viola Davis. <laughs> she can do anything. I know, I know. She can. That woman can do no wrong. 
but according to Viola Davis, even she was intimidated because by she MJ? is she she stood no by the mom. Oh, by the but, mom. But, but also by MJ. Uh-huh. But she studied footage of the mom and she saw how uh, that, that 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 Michael's mom really has a presence that she had to capture. Mm. So she she was very intimidated and flattered to be chosen. <laughs> yeah, then let's not forget it was that woman who actually made the deal. Right, know, right. wanted her son to have part of the action, like part well, of the profits. To be, fair, to be fair, he was a young man from Carolina, he, a young black man from Carolina. Of course, he's going to listen to his mother says. <laughs> <laughs> if he knows what's good for him. <laughs> yep. Yeah, even in, his, even in his Hall of Fame speech, paid a lot of respect for his mom. Like, hinting That's that right. he's, he still listens to her. And I think how things unfold in the story, you really have to get through that hurdle, which happens to be the mom in this movie, for it to really feel like the battle was worth it. Because you, they had so many odds stacked against them. Like uh, the, Michael's request for a car, a, a, cert, a specific expensive model of car. <laughs> and the fact that yeah. he really doesn't like Nikes in the first place. He's not a fan. He would even say, I would do shoe deals, just not with Nike. You know, all those conditions, plus the mom being that person you have to convince would really just show how much of an upward, uphill battle this was for Nike in general. So that adds to the drama, that adds to the suspense. Like again, even if you know how it ends, it still makes you feel all the struggles they went through. Yeah, all the all the dice that they rolled, all the risks that they took. I'm just willing to give up everything for that for one guy. Yeah. And I, I think something else that, that 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 really resonated with me personally, and I, I think Marcy, maybe you can uh, chime in also, was you see a lot of how the creative process is done, like in the middle of the night over takeout food. And you're yeah. exhausted and you have impossible deadlines and impossible budgets and you still have to come up with magic. Uh-huh. Sounds a lot like life. <laughs> yeah. Our, our, our past lives or our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and an interesting part was, you know, who claims credit to naming Air Jordan. David Fox said it's, he, it's him. And he mentions it. Peter Moore says it's him. So I don't know which is, which is true. In the last dance, David... The David Falk, Michael Jordan's agent claimed it, right? He said, uh, why not Air Jordan? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll never know. I, I need to ask, though. I know that you probably knew the story of this movie front to back, Marcy. But how much did it get right? Or was there anything that they missed out that you would have wanted to see? I don't, I'm not sure if they missed out anything, but I know that they tried to put in all the facts in, in the movie. Like, I don't know for sure if, if when, when, what certain point they decided to market the fact that he, the shoe was banned. Because there, it was when Rob Strasser mentioned it, it was in one meeting when he said, no, let's go with it and make and market it. I, I don't know if, that whole process happened in one meeting. Right, um, right. Yeah, but it did. And of course, the shoe that was banned wasn't actually that shoe that they showed it. It was the majority black and red shoe that was that was banned and he was fine for, not the one that they showed. So they took 
some license, licensing and put in all the, all the facts. Of course, we never right. know really what was really spoken in the boardrooms. True, but I think true. they got pre- pretty much everything complete. I don't think they left anything out. Of course, he wanted to leave Nike after the second Air Jordan and wanted to sign with Adidas. And they had to convince him all over again. But, <laughs> but that's beyond you know, the storyline of the movie. So. Sequel though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Possible sequel. Interesting. <laughs> they could like air episode two. Yeah. Revenge of the Adidas. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Revenge of the Germans. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, okay. So we talked about the portrayal of uh, events, which I guess they did have some creative liberties, maybe dramatized some mm-hmm. um, lines a bit or like some sequences a bit. But okay, to a sneakerhead like you, um, since this is what the story really revolves around to, what is the impact of the Jordans as, I guess, not just a sh- as a shoe, like as a brand, as a lifestyle, as a movement, the whole line? Like, why was this so momentous for sneakerheads in general? I think it's because of how the shoe has gone beyond just a basketball shoe through the years. Because when it was starting out, you'd buy Jordans because... You know, they're Michael Jordan's basketball shoes and it makes you feel like you can play like Mike whenever right. you, you know, whenever you wear them. But now it's like if you wear Jordans to the mall, you look good, you feel good. And they've really marketed to women, to kids, and they have all these collaborations, which, you know, it's more of, it's become a fashion statement, right? It's more, of, it's become a brand for lifestyle and it's not just um, the basketball court. So you get amazed at how well they marketed it and mm-hmm. how, you know, the guy hasn't played in decades yeah. and his shoes still, still sell. Exactly. Right? We're, yes. up, we're up to, what, Jordan 37. Really? Already, yeah. So am I right? Am I saying it right? Yeah, 37, right? Yeah, we're on Jordan 37. So. Oh my goodness. I lost track at the 20s because there was a part, there, there was a time I was also like, I couldn't afford them, but I would just like know about the sneakers, like the different Jordan silhouettes and stuff. I lost track at like the, the late, uh, the probably like the early 20s of models because there are just <laughs> so many. Yeah. So, you know, even, even the kids who never actually saw him play. Hmm. Well, but of course, you see him uh, because of the internet. You know, they can you can go to YouTube and watch his game. But those who never actually watched him play still buy Jordans because yeah. of you know, the full mystique behind it. And I feel like a lot of the young people. Wow, parang tanda. I feel like a lot of the the young people mainly know Michael Jordan as that meme, that crying meme. I feel like there's an I entire know, generation know. that knows him just <laughs> by that meme, and that's kind of sad. But I wish they'd at least see Space Jam before. You <laughs> like a frame of reference, mo, no Space Jam. Well, okay, yeah. That's how Michael's greatness was uh, introduced to me personally. Well, besides my brothers also watching basketball and loving Michael Jordan. (laughs) Space Jam was just such a huge deal because here you have the greatest basketball player in the world until now, I would say. Um, Fight me, Anjo. But (laughs) but, like… 
yeah, you had the biggest basketball player, the GOAT, and you have Bugs Bunny in one movie playing basketball. Of course, that would cater to me as a kid at the time. So that's where I wrong? felt yeah. how good he was, really. Let's yeah, ask Marcy about Space Jam 2. Uh, what's that? <laughs> no, no, no such thing. Go watch the real Space Jam, kids. Not that blasphemous piece Not that. Uh, something that we all loved watching in the last couple of years was The Last Dance, of course. Uh. That, was, that was peak pandemic viewing. <laughs> and um, I, I need to say that apparently the screenwriter for the movie Air he was inspired exactly by that segment yes. in The Last Dance that you mentioned, Marcy. Mm. And um, the script was picked up by Ben Affleck and he brought it to Matt Damon to be their first co-production under their new prod house. And apparently they, that was before they found out all the things that Michael wanted to see in the movie. And also they made a significant change in the fact that the original draft didn't even have any black people in it. So Ben Affleck said, this has to be rewritten. Mm. And I, I'm glad he did because they... Interesting. Um, one of, another one of MJ's uh, requirements was um, that Howard White, the character played by Chris Tucker, had to be in this movie. Oh. Can you tell yeah. us why that would have been important? Um, I think you know, Michael knew each and everyone who was a factor in, in the whole story. Even the mm. character of that... Uh, forget his name. Doha, the character with the Martin Luther speech. Right, right. Yeah, right. Because I know uh, Michael wanted it in that movie uh, that he played a vital role in him signing with Nike. Right. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think they touch on all the characters who who played a big part uh, in, in the deal signing and the, the history and the shoe. So, and Christopher um, uh, played the you know, was really good in that movie. I like, I like the, he was still him. You knew it was still Christopher, yeah. right? But yes, yes. Um, the, 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 um, I, I was surprised at Marlon Wayans because he's the one who played the guy with the Martin Luther speech. Yes, he yes. was the, the Olympic team's coach. Uh, George yes, Rebelli. right, right. And usually you see Marlon Wayans in silly roles and um, like stuff like white chicks. But here he was playing it. He was playing it straight and he was serious. Yeah. And I believed it. I believed it. Because I think that that's something that all the actors in this movie do. They all bring their A, a game because they knew they were working on something special. They did. My favorite line of Williams in that movie was when, uh, when she, Sonny Bakara asked him, so you think I should visit, go to the Jordan house? Mm-hmm. And he just goes, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean... Uh, can you imagine? I mean, no, you don't have to imagine. You saw the movie, the fallout from him visiting that house. I mean, yeah, all yeah. the corporate guys were, were like shocked and terrified. Yeah, but, but I know that's one of the liberties that they took. Because I saw an interview of Sandy Bacaro that he never actually went to the house. Oh, he just, you know, he just called up uh, Mrs. Jordan. Ah, but he yeah. never really went to the house. But I guess it's more dramatic to have it face to face. I know. Mm, and that, exactly. you know, tell me why and, you're uh, here. Another cool thing, you know how MJ said required that it had to be Viola Davis because he said like that my mother's the best person I know and you got to get the best actress in the world to play That's her. That's so sweet, by the way. He said you also have to find somebody good to be my father because we also know his father was special to him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in the yeah. end, they cast Viola Davis's actual husband. 
To yeah. which nobody had any objections because apparently he's the nicest guy. Yeah, and that guy looked like Michael Jordan's father. More than Absolutely. Viola Davis looked like his mom. Viola Davis doesn't really look like the mom. Oh, None at all. Well, that's a happy coincidence. At least they got the dad right in terms of just like mm-hmm. books casting-wise. And um, speaking of casting, uh, let's talk about Ben Affleck as <laughs> Phil Knight. So, what do you, what what are your thoughts? Have you, uh, by the way, um, a uh, question raised by Anjo as well, since he's not here. Have you read Shoe Dog? And what do you, and did you think that Affleck nailed Phil Knight? Um, I haven't read Shoe Dog, but I know what it's. I don't think Affleck knew. Phil Knight. He got the. <laughs> You got the jogging suit and the, you know, the shades, right? But And the barefoot, um, <laughs> putting and, his yeah. feet up in the table, barefoot. Yeah, but that's about it. That's it. Yeah, but he did I a think, good job direct. Yes, I, I think it. we can conclude from this movie that Ben Affleck is really just a better director than an actor, period. Abs- <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I vouch for that. <laughs> I mean, Gone Girl, uh, Argo. Yeah, Argo. You know, I loved Argo. The town. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's really a better director than he is an actor, and yeah. I think that's why he gave himself the role as Phil Knight because he knows that he's really only good at caricatures. So, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, he yeah. wasn't the central character. He was a joke character in this movie. Yeah, but he didn't do bad. I mean, he was you know he didn't nail Phil Knight, but he was funny. He had his moments. Yep, he was good. He yeah, was good. yeah. But the, the um, best part. I, Really was a phone conversation between Sonny Becara and David. The first time he found out that, you know, he went to the Jordan Arms. That was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, um, the the guy who played David Falk, uh, M- MJ's manager at the time, um, see, Chris was played by Chris Messina, and everybody said they had the hardest time keeping a straight face. Because every time they would do the phone call, he would come up with new insults. Oh my God, I love Chris Messina. He's such... New new insults and new threats. He is such an amazing asshole in movies. <laughs> I'm a basic asshole. <laughs> He's so good at it. He's so good at playing assholes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the funniest, funniest scene of the movie for the year. And it's nice to know that a lot of that was improv because you can also chalk it up. Well, the writing was good in general too. But then his character also just had that flavor of all the... You you would be more entertained as he gets angrier. Absolutely. I mean, I just love this whole tradition of making Hollywood agents or in this case, a sports agent to be these these high blood pressure, (laughs) short fuse guys. (laughs) So... It, it, it really worked for me and it gave some much needed comic relief because again, this is two hours of meetings and brainstormings and negotiations. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, and yet you don't get bored and you're, you stay engaged. For right? sure. So that's what, yeah. that's what good writing and good directing does. I was surprised by Ben Affleck because, you know, um, people have asked me if like, what, was that a prosthetic? Is he really that big now? Oh, sorry, sorry, not Ben Affleck. Ben, not Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. Matt yeah, Damon yeah. was huge. Yeah. I don't know if it was, was uh, it? I think that's just what he looks like when he's not training for Jason Bourne movies. Uh, I, yeah, um, Jason also brought that up while we were watching. He was like, is he really that fat now? Is he wearing a fat suit? <laughs> but like, I have a theory. I have a really wild theory. Remember Meth Damon from <laughs> Breaking Bad? <laughs> oh my God, I'm so mamo. <laughs> no, You're so no, mean. That's his nickname. That's his nickname. 
Damon. I know, I know. So remember Beth Damon? She's talking about Marcy. She's talking about Kirsten Dunst's husband. Oh my God, Jesse Plemons. Yes, Jesse Plemons from Breaking Bad, who looks like a bad render of Matt Damon on a good day. (laughs) On other days, he looks like. An inflatable version of Matt Damon. So, <laughs> so that's my oh theory. My it's Matt Damon. Especially when he came out in El Camino. Yes, where he was the size of a house. <laughs> you were the one who said he's a house, but Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, uh, it's just I just remembered. Like Okay, maybe it fits the character. Maybe he had to gain that weight. And if he just is that way now, well, no judgment. He still did an amazing job. But yeah, it left people wondering, especially if your last image of him was really the Jason Bourne movies. But I don't know. Either way, I think he was phenomenal. Hey, to be fair, even Chris Hemsworth has a gut when he's not shooting Marvel movies. Yeah, I mean, it's normal. I think, can you like imagine the training that comes with it, with being an action star? So it's understandable. But yeah, that is yeah. That, I guess you know that is one thing. They're entitled to their to their cheat days. Yeah, and to but their... you cut him some slack. He's been Jason Bourne for fine, like fine. years. But yeah. Okay, I got a question for Marcy. Um, the movie, the movie's action climaxes with a big boardroom scene where they make their presentation right. to MJ, and um. You've been in this situation before where you sit the client down and sometimes yeah. maybe the presentation's yeah. not going the way it should and you know you have to jump in there to save this account. Tell us what you were thinking. You were, what were you thinking during this scene? Um, that it was, you know, close to real life. You, you, you're, when you're in a meeting and trying to pitch to a player, you kind of are able to tell how it's going if you're going to get an approval or not because of body language. I know that, which of course it's it's hard. This is harder to to tell when you're by a Zoom now, right? But when you're in mm-hmm. a meeting in the boardroom, you can kind of tell how your presentation is going. And while things are going on, while uh, comments are being said, you start thinking of what you can say to save the situation. You know that heroic speech mm-hmm. you need to give in order to make the sell. And yeah, that's that's what you kind of see when he. When Matt Damon, when Sunny Valhalla made this speech to Michael, which was a very good speech, mm-hmm. right? Very well written speech. Of course, you don't know if you know, it was really ever said in the boardroom, right? But for cinematic purposes, it was a well written speech. And yeah. Yeah, it made me reflect on real life, and, you know, <laughs> trying to convince people to buy your shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved it. I mean, I got goosebumps while I was hearing it. And again, he's not saying anything that we don't already know. Mm -hmm. I think the emotion comes from the fact that back then, nobody knew how big the guy was going to get. And the fact that everything that guy said came true, whether or not the speech actually happened, I agree with Marcy. It works very well as a movie moment. It does. Fantastic. Yeah, right. And I'm not… You never… Sorry, Marcy. I'm sorry. You don't don't really know if what was that line… It's only just ah, a basketball shoe a until shoe somebody steps into it. A shoe until my son steps into it. I love mm-hmm. that line. Ganda, <laughs> that, that is a mic drop right there. Right? I mean, like she had them and she knew it. And it was it was so smart of her to use that line on him when she had that last um, last 
caveat to the deal. Like, okay, I'm gonna accept mm-hmm. it, but my son gets rights uh, or like a percentage of all the sales after um, uh, while yeah. you know while the shoe is selling. So at first they weren't able to agree to that, but Matt Damon himself said in uh, Sonny Vaccaro himself in the movie said that you know a shoe is just a shoe until somebody steps on, into it. Mm-hmm. And then she used that exactly same line to him as like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, Love damn him. girl, you're good." <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell how impossible the ask was, right? Yeah. Sonny Vaccaro sure. fought for the honor deal, but then he was willing to give up as as soon as he heard the demand. Mm-hmm. And something I appreciated about the movie, it also didn't shy away from how high stakes this was, because besides the fact that this deal is what can cost an entire department their jobs and their livelihoods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yep. I also love um, Rob uh, Strasser expressing his personal sentiments about you know how he works with Nike and his little tidbit about um, kind of being an estranged father and how he m- tries to make up with it with shoes, right? <laughs> with Nike, with yeah. you know, all the goodies. So that's a very personal look into how important this was, not just for Rob, but for everyone else in the department. Because if this doesn't work out, they're they're all, you know, they're probably all gonna lose their jobs. And I think it's also a good character development for um Matt Damon or Sonny Vaccaro because he was so cocky at the start. He's like, no, this deal has gotta push through. I'm gonna do every fucking thing to do this. Mm-hmm. But at the height of them doing those late nights, those weekends, you hear from Jason Bateman, who did a good job too, by the way, that, you know, this is what's on the line, not just my job, but my relationship with my daughter. And then when they're not sure after the big speech, they're not sure how it's going to turn out. Matt, this is where Matt Damon starts spiraling. He's like, oh shit, did I just throw all these people under the bus with my crazy idea? Yeah. I, I think that the mere fact that you had Jason Bateman telling you that it's a desperate situation, that makes it all the more wor- all the worse. Because <laughs> Jason Bateman is usually the nicest guy in the room, and that's why you cast him. But here, he was the one that they used, exactly right, to drive home how critical this deal was. So I don't know how much of that was real, if they really had a heart-to-heart talking about his daughter while stealing snacks from the canteen. (laughs) But, you know, um, I I believe it because Jason Bateman said it. So again, this movie is very well cast. (laughs) Yeah, and it added a lot of humanity, a lot of warmth to this whole boardroom phone conversation barrage in, in the movie, right? So actually makes you reflect that these people, you know, are not just employees, they're, you know, they have families and their lives are at stake mm-hmm. with, with, with this deal. So yeah, it, it added a human dimension to the thing now. I need to ask, uh, Marcy, I don't know if you're, you're um, I need to ask because one of the asks of Michael Jordan was that the character of Tinker Hatfield would be removed um, from the final script. And I was wondering if you could, you could shine a light on that? Um, probably because Tinker Hatfield never really got involved until the third Jordan, until Jordan mm-hmm. 3. Because he was a designer, right? Yes, that, and that was what convinced Michael Jordan to stay after okay. wanting to leave after the, after the Jordan 2. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so we'll see she in the sequel. Here's to me hoping there's a sequel. Ayun pala, pwede pala natin i-cast. Yeah, but, you know, to a person, to a sneakerhead, to a, to a person who loves Jordan, Stinker had feel this like God. I mean, it's like immortal. So maybe it would have overshadowed the contribution of Peter Moore if Tinker Atfield was there. I don't know. Maybe that's what he was thinking. And, and yeah, but maybe because Tinker Hatfield didn't happen until the third. But yeah, I was just surprised because I, I, I know that Hatfield was instrumental in the design um, of, the, of, the, of the later models, but I was just surprised that he was requ- specifically requested to be removed. Oh. So... Maybe you're right. Maybe he will be in the sequel. <laughs> well, I feel like yeah, the movie's beautiful as is. It doesn't need one. But just in case, you know, there's still some history that can be written into a movie as long as it's written well. For sure. Or, or maybe because, what's it, am I correct? Peter Moore passed away, right? Oh. Yes, he was uh, right Game before Beyond. the movie started production. Oh. So maybe with, you know, just for to, to respect him and not have Tinker overshadow him. Right. I don't know. That makes sense. Right. That makes sense. Um, I'm just guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, what's his name? The, uh, yes, the shoe designer, Peter Moore, he actually passed away a month before this movie went into production. That's sad. Sad, yeah. I, I, I need to ask the question that, you know, I should have asked at the beginning. But, so Marcy, I own three pairs of Jordans. How many do you have? <laughs> really, Misha, really. <laughs> Should I say more than what's necessary? <laughs> um, do you have a particular favorite? We don't need a fine. We don't need a solid number, but do you have a particular favorite or a sentimental favorite, and why? Just are you asking if there's one particular pair? Yeah, or is that like asking uh, to choose your children, no. your favorite child? Yeah, no, I won't be able to choose. But I, what I can tell is my favorite. Jordans would be the Jordan one. Oh, of definitely. My top five would be the no, the one, the three, the four, the eleven, and the twenty-three. That the twenty-three is a weird choice because usually, you know, Jordan heads would be named from one to twelve or one to thirteen, mm-hmm. but twenty-three is, is way up. But I really like it. So yeah, that's my number five. So there. So I have the most number. I have is the is Jordan ones. Mm-hmm. I have about seventy pairs. Ooh, Jordan okay, ones. Okay. So, but yeah, kind of shy telling everyone how many pairs I have. Because you started collecting right when I mean you started wearing these shoes essentially right at the beginning. Can you tell us about what you've seen about how this sneaker culture has changed and evolved? You know, um, it's 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 it, you can wear it anywhere now. Uh, in the movie, somebody said that you only wear them on the basketball court, but um, now that's entirely not true. You know, it it still amazes me how well they've marketed it and how well the shoes are doing despite uh, Michael Jordan being retired for a long time. <laughs> I, I like how it's become, you know, more than just a basketball shoe. It has become cooler and, you know, it has become, and it, it's nice that more people are appreciating shoe design, appreciating shoes and they're wearing them. I don't, I know, I'm not mad at that. But of course, even if it didn't happen that way, I probably still like them. I'll probably still be well with them. But yeah, I'm amazed. Like 
What if you're I'm wearing just, uh, Converse? Uh, no, I'm I'm good. I'm good with Chuck Taylors. I'm good with Converse. Does. You know, I love Jordans, but I also like shoes. So, you know, I'm just a kid from the 80s who liked rubber shoes. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I'm all for that. You know, go, go buy your sneakers, but please wear them. Guys, wear your sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> how, how strict are you or how anal are you about your shoes? Um, because, like, they actually sell inserts now to prevent your shoes from creasing when you bend your foot. They actually stop you from bending your foot. What? Really? This I is, need yeah. one of those. Yeah. I need one of this, those. This, this is way over like how in the 90s, like guys would put plastic on the soles of their shoes so they wouldn't get dirty. This is even, you know, this is like another level up. No, I, I don't know. I, you know, maybe you two, these guys prefer it that way if they don't want to scuff their shoes. They don't want to, they want them bent. Yeah, I can respect that, but I'm just not, like that, you know, I'll wear my shoes if it's, they get scuffed. Uh, you know, I'll feel bad, but I'm not, you know, gonna get traumatized or nothing like that. Fair. Yeah, if it gets dirty, it gets dirty. Just, you know, wear them, respect them that way, and I don't just talk them up. But I don't know, the way it happens for me is I, because of the rotation of the shoes, nothing really gets old because mm-hmm. nothing gets <laughs> worn. Nothing gets worn beyond three times. Yep, that that sounds like you. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, it's nice to hear the sentiments of somebody who actually knows the value of these shoes. And I think that's what also helps make this movie so important to a lot of people like you who put a lot of value because again, uh, shoes are just shoes to some people. But then this is an entire movement and it's to some even a lifestyle. It's what they live and breathe for. So just seeing how things started for this one company and how much of a struggle it was to finally get to the status that they have now, decades later, it's an amazing story that has been told and I guess well-directed as well because, you know, you can't, you can't, um, just chalk it up to telling telling the story as is. There's just this amazing recreation into film that this movie has done. Because you can just watch documentaries about it. I'm sure there's a shit ton of documentaries about it if you just want to see how things unfold. But this makes it entertaining and somehow meaningful to a lot of people. Yeah, and you're right when you say that, you know, they're just shoes. At the end of the day, they're just leather, rubber, cloth, and glue. Right, but it's the stories behind each pair. It's a, it's a feeling that you get when you have a new pair. You know that's what you know makes you makes you love that, makes you buy into that. But yeah, they're just shoes. <laughs> but you know, wear them and love them. Wear nice shoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I, w- I just wanted to say um, uh, I wanted to say that um, I. Th- I, I don't know if this is going to be the start of a trend of movies about our favorite brands because mm. like the last few years, we've been seeing a lot of movies about tech innovators. We've seen movies mm. about Facebook, about um, um, uh, we saw that mini series about the WeWork guy. We, we had about, mm-hmm. we had about um, the Theranos woman. And now we're going to have a movie about, um, about Blackberry next year. Really? And, Yes, yes, we are. We're getting a movie about Blackberry. So um, I don't. I think that this movie came at the exact right time for people of 
a certain age to get their nostalgic kick while also getting a little bit of that of that insider feel for your for these world famous brands. So um, I'm I actually look forward to more. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's about time we have an alternative to superheroes. I know the fatigue <laughs> is real. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Like we talk about superhero movies a lot on this podcast, but even we are getting kind of exhausted for it. So it's nice considering this is also a, just a lot of talk. It's not even, you wouldn't say it's visually stunning. You wouldn't say that, you know, there are so many big phenomenal things that happen. It's just a straightforward story, but told so well. So yeah, sure. it's, it's refreshing. It was so refreshing and still worth it to yeah. see in the cinemas, despite it just being a lot of talk. Yeah, maybe people just want to see good writing yeah. and directing instead of amazing CG, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think we've had our fill already. As much as I love superhero movies, yep. I mean, I think I, I need a break. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, but having having said that, I still have to see Guardian. <laughs> I haven't okay. seen it either. <laughs> to be fair, it's actually pretty, it's fucking amazing. Just, just, just for the record, it's amazing, which I'm glad for because I was really, I was already ready. Like, this is it. If this is bad. I'm done. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a refreshing movie to see. Um, and I guess for those of you who are interested or haven't seen it yet, by some reason that if you just listen to this podcast, uh, it's probably still out in cinemas as we uh, as we release this. Mm-hmm. But if you weren't able to catch it, it is on Amazon Prime. And I recommend it personally. So what do you guys think? Like how, what would your words be to convince someone to watch this movie? Um, well, if you want to see a good movie, you know, go go see it if you want to see good acting, good a good script, good directing. Ben Affleck's yeah, go feet. go see it. Whether <laughs> Ben Affleck's feet, uh, Matt Damon's gut. <laughs> but if you know, if if you're into movies, you don't have to be into Jordans or shoes like that. True. But, you, mm-hmm. but I think you you will appreciate it. Absolutely, I I agree with all of your sentiments. I love um, again what Marcy said earlier. It's a simple story, but it's well told. And it taps into something that's very real and relevant now um, because like the celebrity culture that basically rules, you know, all of social media was just like in its infancy at the time where it was becoming more about the faces behind the brands and the brands themselves. And it also gives a lot of our favorite actors a chance to show what they do best. So yes, I highly recommend it. And I enjoy, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, No questions. Yes. So well, thank you, Marcy, for your time. We appreciate it so much. Your time, your knowledge, your connection knowledge. To, <laughs> to this entire um, topic. But okay, I think this question we just need to raise for Anjo's sake because he wanted to know, who are your bets for the NBA playoffs since it is in season <laughs> after all? I'm just going to throw Andrew um, a bone here. So... He specifically asks, Lakers or Nuggets? And <laughs> Heat or Celtics? <laughs> um, okay. I Before I was a Chicago Bulls fan, I was a Lakers fan ah. because of James Worthy and Magic. And then I you know, dedicated myself to the Bulls because of Jordan. And after that, I went back to the Lakers I see. because of Kobe and Shaq. Uh, and ever since then, you know, I like the Lakers, except when <clears throat> a certain certain player joined them. A player that I 
don't really love. So. <laughs> Whoever could it be? I'm, so I'm just not here. <laughs> let us let us not mention the he who must not be named. He who started yeah, the, the Space Jam sequel that never existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the goat pretender. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Anto. I don't know you, but hey. It's fine. <laughs> no, but I think Denver is gonna win the whole thing. Oh my god. I feel like I feel like they are. I see. Um I think the Heat will beat the Celtics. I think. Yes. But yes. yeah, I think the Nuggets are gonna have their first championship ever. That'll be amazing. That is gonna be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. That'll be yes, great yeah, to see, yeah. 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 And yeah. And I wouldn't want that certain player to equal Kobe <laughs> in five weeks. Must not happen. <laughs> the basketball gods oh, must never man. allow it. Oh my God. Kobe will I not remem- allow it from heaven, I hope. <laughs> I remember the morning when we were watching Kobe's last game live oh. in the office. Oh, shit. And no work happened that morning. <laughs> like I was on one end of the table. Marcy's over there like, Half the people in the office who were supposed to be working were all just watching this game. Absolutely no work was done that night. <laughs> yeah, I, I also remember that. I was I was never really a fan of Kobe, but I was in tears that last week. I don't know why. <laughs> I spent a lot of his career, I guess. I was like, oh, sino ba to? But okay, fine. He's so good. But he's so annoying because he's so good. But I get a new feeling. Ko. But then that last game, my God, I was sobbing. I don't know why I was sobbing, but that was epic. It's okay. Yeah, the Lakers still got a guy who's good, but annoying. <laughs> Ooh, thoughts on the Kobe shoes? I think next to the Jordan line, for me at least, in my opinion, the Kobe lines is the best. Nice, no? And I really wanted me. that pair that, that was designed, like the Philippines design with the, the red and blue colors. I forgot what it was called, but I found that so pretty. I'm just yeah, yeah, they, I like the Kobe. Line. I'm glad that they settled things with the wife so they can keep on making them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I guess we are wrapping up. Thank you so much, Marcy. You, you, you asked you asked Deng the other day if she was aware that I was going to be having the best guest ever on this podcast, <laughs> and thank you for living up to that. We had our best guest ever. With all due apologies to past, present, and future guests. <laughs> but thank you, Marcy. It was really fun um, taking a walk it down was. memory lane. And Thank um, you. Thank you, guys. We uh, would love to see you again the next time we have a basketball movie on this show. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. And to my… Uh, just have one final message yeah. to my fellow sneakerheads. Remember, you do not have to need. You only need to have. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh my god. Beautiful. Now I want to go You are terrible for budgets. You are terrible for wallets. Like I want to buy shoes right now. <laughs> Marcy is terrible for credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah, I I'm, I'm convinced. Or I'm just going to ask my boyfriend to buy me shoes maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But yes, this has been another episode of Sabatours. Again, thank you Marcy for joining us. And uh yeah, we have conversations <laughs> thank you guys. like these around movies. So yeah, uh, if you want to get in touch or listen to more of our episodes, we are on 
uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and listen to our other episodes. We also have uh, social media. We have um, Instagram and TikTok at Sabatours Podcast. And we have a Facebook group and a Facebook page where um, you can let us know what you think. Or we also have that Facebook group where you can we can just freely chat movies and send memes and whatnot. So. All right. Thank you to everyone. Thank you. We have been your hosts. I'm Misha. I'm Mai. Wala pa rin si Anjo. And Wala I'm Marcy. Na. There you go. Marcy. Okay lang. Marcy's better. Marcy's better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Marcy. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.